What's really going on, everybody? Back with another episode, number 79. As always, be sure to follow us on social media. That includes at Twitter and Instagram at WRGOPod. Be sure to check out our website at what's really going on pod.com. If you search uh, slash shop, you can check out all of our merch that is always there and on sale. Be sure to listen, subscribe, and like on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Uh, we have a special guest. I will let Mackenzie introduce her uh, before we get the show going, since she is the one who put this all together. Yeah, so today we are joined by one of my line sisters, Ann Howard alum, um, and fashion and beauty editor at Essence Magazine. So we are here to really talk about the passing of Virgil Abloh, and I thought that she would be the great person, a great person to talk about and just share, you know, the side of the fashion industry and how that's really impacted um, the industry this week. My turn. <laughs> oh, I thought Henry. No, nah, so basically, <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to say something, but my mind is early. I apologize, y'all. Uh, hey, Blake, thank you for joining us. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, as Mackenzie said, I guess I'll give like the spiel of you know while we're here. Um, we all know like this past Sunday, Virgil Abloh. That this is my question. I pronounced his last name all the way wrong. How do you p- correctly pronounce it? You said it right. Okay, facts. Yeah, you said so, Okay, I just want to make sure because that's the thing we have on the podcast, a running joke. I'm terrible at names. <laughs> uh, so Mr. Ablo, the founder of Off-White and the artistic director, director of Louis Vuitton, the menswear died this past Sunday in Chicago at the age of 41. Uh, after probably fighting a two-year battle with the rare cancer just days before, like, he was expected to launch a new collection with Vuitton in uh, Miami. News was like a shock for us as followers, a lot of his collaborators um, and music artists. So like, could we have your like initial, you know, response, Blake? I think it was, I mean, it was just like everybody else. It was like, I thought that I was, I was actually, it was Sunday. I was taking a nap as I do on many Sundays. And (laughs) it was like, my phone just started going bananas. Um, And it was just like, it was one of those things where it's just like, you think that like what you're reading is like not even real because it's just like, None of us, you know, knew that he was sick. Um, and of course, you know, as, as you know, the thing has been, it was never any of our business. But, you know, because we didn't know, it was so sudden and it was, it just seemed so out of left field. And, you know, your initial reaction is like, what? Like, is, is this real? How? Um, so, yeah, I think my reaction was just like anybody else's. Like, what is going on? Like, am I reading this correctly? Is this true? Um, it's, it's terrible. How do you think his role as the artistic director of Louis Vuitton, I know that that was just a massive like moment for him for Black people, but I'm just curious to how you think that after his passing, how his legacy will transcend with Louis Vuitton and just the fashion industry as a whole. Well, my hope is that like the things that he implemented and put into play while he was on earth really continue. You know, my hope for Louis Vuitton menswear specifically is that it will continue you know like he he brought this aspect of elevated streetwear to that luxury fashion house and like in a way that was just so off kilter and different for the brand right but it but it was fantastic it was the things like it it for and maybe not the first time but i do feel like um for many for the first time it was um the first time that that our culture 
really identified with Louis Vuitton menswear, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, like I said, his impact definitely transcends Louis Vuitton. You think about all the things that he's done off-white Pyrex, just his entire journey, you know, working with Kanye, like all of those things. Um, and so my prayer is that, you know, those that are here that have been able to, to, to work under and with Virgil really, you know, make sure that, you know, really carry on his legacy um, in the way that I know that they know he would have wanted. Um, and I truly believe that it's really in the hands of those Black fashion luminaries who either looked up to Virgil or worked with and, and knew him personally to really continue to carry on his legacy. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of how he revolutionized streetwear. I mean, you know, for us, you know, in 2013, he, you know, launched Off-White where he collaborated with, you know, brands like Jimmy Choo and Nike. Um, can you talk a little bit about just how he kind of revolutionized it? Because he did it in a very specific um, way. So can you talk about just kind of how he moved it, how he moved it forward? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was authentic. You know, it was it was authentic and it was with us, Black people, I say, um, when I refer to us at the forefront of, of the creative process and of the target industry. Um, he employed black talent, he uplifted black talent. He, so with that, right? And with that being Virgil's mission and with that being something that Virgil did so well, um, it, it took these brands and it positioned these brands that he worked with in positions that they too hadn't been, hadn't been able to, to in markets that they hadn't been able to tap and reach. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it wasn't, the reality is that the, the doors are not all the way open, right? And there are many mountains to climb for Black fashion luminaries and Black fashion creatives. And he truly, truly broke down, you know, those bridges and those barriers and, and that in itself, you know, like I said, often we're not allowed at the table. Virgil was one of those few people that was allowed at the table. And when he was there, he performed and he showed just how valuable Black creatives were. I think you just hit like 10 points for me. Um, thank you for that. Because like you spoke toward the diversity, uh, specifically us as Black people, <clears throat> excuse me, having a seat at the table in fashion. Um, so like, how would you think, like, well, not how, but what do you think his impact specifically did? Or what do you hope to see in the future um, from the industry where he has like collab with you know, many black artists are included them in their his fashion press runs or in the fashion shows. I hope that this creates space. Like I hope that that these brands continue to see the value in black talent and black creativity. I mean the reality is and I say it all the time, it's like nothing moves without us, right? So it's not like it's not like these brands don't know the value, right? For 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 decades everything that they have done has been well what do black people like what are black people wearing what are black people doing but it is my hope that for many black creatives that are up and coming that they will just as Virgil did begin to have equity in these companies and begin to be in the door you know what I'm saying like what Virgil has done is is incredible and it is fantastic but the reality is that Virgil is not, was not the only black creative with wonderful talents and wonderful ideas. And my hope that is that the impact that he had alone will show these brands any black talent, you know, give them chances, give them opportunities, give them money. The reality is that in this industry, 
you have to have money, right? Like money is the, is, is, is king here, right? Without resources, you can't do anything. And so my hope is that these black creatives will get the resources, will get the exposure, will get the equity that they deserve because Virgil really made sure that he had all of those things. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't just a, oh, let me just sign on to this brand, send me the mock-ups and then I'll approve them or I'll disprove them and we can go on about our ways. No, Virgil was there for every step of the creative process. And he is living proof of just how dynamic black talent is specifically in the fashion space. I think I want to ask. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Noah. Oh, I wanted to ask because Virgil wasn't just like a fashion designer. He worked with IKEA and other. I I would think non traditional forms of like fashion and for designers. Do you think we'll see more designers, black or white, um, just kind of going and breaking the mold and how they really get into this space in fashion? I mean, I hope so. And and you made a great point. Like it is like it's artistry, right? Like Virgil was not just a stylist, a designer, right? Virgil was a true artist. And when you have such such skill set as he does, um, you know, you, you, your artistry can transcend every place else. So like you said, he was able to do Ikea and all of those things. So I like to your point, I do hope that the result is that just black artists in general are given platforms, right? Like whether that be in the beauty space to collaborate with beauty brands to, to do, you know, non-conventional beauty partnerships, whether it be in the fashion or interior space, whether it be in textiles, like anywhere, you know, just, I just want all industries to understand the, the impact of black talent. I guess I'll take this. Um, I guess one thing that I've been thinking a lot about, and I think, you know, as a woman in the, you know, fashion space, I think you're probably aware that they're not at the top. They're not many people who look like you specifically, or, you know, LGBTQ plus or non-binary folks. What do you think needs to be done to make sure that, I mean, you know, obviously black women have really kind of taken over the, you know, the beauty space in terms of like the fashion line. I personally can't think of any black woman or, you know, queer person who has that. So what do you think needs to be done to make sure, you know, more people like you and Mackenzie are in that space? Because I would imagine as someone who's at those tables and who meets all these people, they're not many people who look like you specifically. I mean, that's a hard question because it's like, um, all that we can do, right? The only thing that, that we, we can't change, force change in the industry, right? Like that is the unfortunate reality is that we, as black people, um, we don't necessarily, we don't have the upper hand in this industry, right? Like we know that technically we have the upper hand in that nothing drives without us, right? Nothing moves without us, nothing moves the needle. But getting in these spaces, I feel like the only thing that we can do as black people is feel that responsibility, right? Like for me, it is important that when I am in positions, I'm uplifting other black people. I am uplifting, you know, LGBTQ plus, you know, artists and creatives that I am I am employing, you know, non-binary folks, as you mentioned. And so I think, you know, we can't force change in this industry, right? Uh, for those who don't care about it. Right. You know yeah. I mean? like the reality is that though, if those in power don't care about it, then it is our job in the positions that we can get into, you know, like 
to, to move that needle because the reality is that nobody is going to look out for us, but us. And that is what we've seen. And so to your point, as black women, we continue to push for these spaces and these safe spaces. And we just have to continue to do that. It, it is unfortunate and that it, the responsibility falls on us because technically the responsibility as we, as we know, historically has never been ours, right? These are not our problems to fix, right? These are, these are, are those who are against progress. It, it is their job to fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like we as a people have always been the ones to uplift and, and to embrace and to accept. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it is unfortunate that the responsibility falls solely on us, but it does. I do want to bring up a point. I don't know the background of Hanifa, but when you talk about breaking the mold and just kind of creating your own lane, I've loved seeing that brand in particular and other fashion brands from social media growing and really using that platform to really grow their brand. And then last year, or was it last year, we saw the, the runway that she had, the virtual runway and stuff like that. And I'm I'm loving seeing her get her flowers where I think she just won an award with the CFDA. Um, so I love seeing that. But I do have a question do you think just this, this is sidebar um but i did want to know do you think social media has been able to really elevate some of these black designers in a way that you know the traditional way just wasn't working for them oh absolutely and there's a there is a a footprint now a digital footprint nobody can say and that's what we're seeing a lot when these black creators come out and they're like you stole my, my shit because mm -hmm. it's like it, it was there first now there there is proof physical proof tangible proof that black creatives are being stolen from and being taken from. And what that has done, while it is unfortunate, it has in, in many ways been able to amplify these black talent. Like when these black talent call out these huge brands for stealing their ideas and for co-opting their ideas, it, it, while that is probably not the publicity that they want, it really pushes them even further, right? And it and it is holding other brands accountable. And so I think on the flip side of that, it is just also, you know, in ways that let's say black creatives aren't being stolen from, it really, like Hanifa, it just gives a larger platform. You know what I'm saying? Like this could have never happened 10 years ago, 10, mm -hmm. 15 years ago, when where a show like that can be seen by so many, and where people even had the resources to create such a show. Like that show was so incredible because it was just like, we hadn't seen anything like that. Anything before. like it. And I'm not a big tech person, but I think, was it AI? That was, I don't know. Yeah, it was like AI was very techy savvy. So it was like, it was super tech savvy. And so, like I said, just, it, it just gives a larger platform. Like you'd be like, as I'm sure that all of you all um, have experienced, I'm on Twitter scrolling, I'm on Instagram scrolling, and I come across this brand that I would have never mm -hmm. seen if it wasn't for social media, especially Twitter. Twitter is such a wonderful place that's like for viral tweets of these brands that are that are really moving the needle. So social media, I think social media is a driver, is undoubtedly a driver. There's a reason that now brands have social media specific jobs because it is mm -hmm. a driver now. And I, uh, you've kind of like spoke toward this and hit on it there, but like how social media within itself has given black creators and designers platforms to kind of grow their brands. And you spoke toward equity. <clears throat> I would say like, you know how we have these large fashion houses who have been around for so long. And then we see how they wanted to collab with Rihanna and then that didn't do so well. So how did, how would you see that like 
you know, that may be changing to where they put more finances and resources um, behind, you know, black fashion brands. I mean, I don't know if it will change because the reality is this. I mean, it will change. I mean, time has shown us. Yes, things will evolve and things will change eventually. But when we speak about the now, I don't know if those things will change. If Rihanna can't get it done, who the hell can? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think that that, that teller, how is it? that Rihanna could not even get the proper resources that she needed. Right. It right. was not that people didn't want Fenty. I was buying them shoes up. Like, it is not that, like, the girls have on her sunglasses all the time. It is not that people didn't want Fenty. It is not that she was too high priced. It was none of those things. Number one, like, I think that there's such this, this terrible misconception. And we have seen that it, it debunked, especially recently, Black people will spend. It doesn't matter if it's on beauty. It does not matter if it's on fashion, which is why I'm like, oh, Fenty's price point was not too high. That was not the problem. Black people are buying up Dior, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Hermes all the time. These girls are walking around with Bergen bags. Like, (laughs) black people have the resources. It is that these Black creatives are not given the resources. There's absolutely no reason that Rihanna should not have been... um, that, that that should have been the situation. There's no reason, but it is a testament to just how much black talent is undervalued. Even when you are arguably one of the most famous women in the world, not the country. Rihanna is arguably one of the most famous women in the world. And still, you know, it's not there. So I can't tell you how it's gonna change because I'm not even Rihanna. So how can I sit here and say, oh, this is how it's going to change if the woman who I look to and think is can't get it done either. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm thinking about, like outside of kind of Virgil, I know like we kind of have a running joke where like Mackenzie will always show us her newest Brandon Blackwood bag every time we're on the camera together. But like, what do you think? I got I, it right behind me. Honestly. I know you do. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not pulling your card. We'll flex it. Um, what do you think, you know, that, you know, for Brandon Blackwoods and Telfar, because that is kind of what you spoke about, that this kind of online Twitter, yo, I'm just going to do this myself kind of movement. What do you think their impact is, not only on the handbag industry, um, but just in general? I mean, I think they've kind of just taken it and said, I'm going to do this and Twitter, you all do your thing. Um, what do you think their impact is going to be? Well, I think, I think that their impact speaks to the impact of Black people and the way that we will rally around our people. Mm. right and um and that's always been that way Mm -hmm. it usually does not change and become a more tricky situation as displayed by telfar until those not a part of the culture come in and railroad it right and so um you know i think that their impact will show it's specifically with telfar right what i love about Telfar and their um, bag buyer program that they they will just pop up with. You never know when it's going to hit. Yep. Is the second that Telfar saw that their their brand was being railroaded, right? When we look at all those people that were buying up those Telfar bags that had all of the 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 sophisticated um, that were equipped with those things to buy up those bags and resell them at premiums. Those people didn't look like us. It wasn't us yeah. doing that. And the second that they saw that that was happening and the second they said that that was a problem, they were like, screw this. This is not what we signed up for. Mm -hmm. So y'all are not going to be stuck with a bunch of damn bags. And we are going to quarterly 
let people order whatever bag they want in whatever color they want. Mm -hmm. And we'll give it to them. And Brandon Blackwood is similar. You don't see Brandon Blackwood. Yes, of course, things sell out. Telfar sell out. But you, you never see people having to damn near jump each other for bland. Yeah, they, they don't have to. They create they understand the demand mm -hmm. and they create it they create enough product. So I think that the biggest lesson that in my opinion that Telfar and Brandon Blackwood are teaching us is that for so long exclusivity of fashion was parallel to whiteness, right? We think about the the even now, the way that we look at, see what Jordan has become. Who was it that was, you know, that that boy whose mom worked at Nike? I was. I don't want to jump in, but I was literally gonna go there to say like how, because you spoke about like retail culture and how that's disrupted the fashion industry and kind of caused, especially in sneaker culture, uh, it has caused like this upshift of access or uh, quantity or resources or whatever. And then you come to find out it's a VP's son or whomever reselling it with bots and stuff. So mm -hmm. it, it kind of like, you know. Yeah, like I said, it's never us, mm -hmm. right, that are doing those things. So I think that Brandon and Telfar's impact will actually be they will they will they will shift and they will disrupt the resale market and that is important um because that is when things go at premium and that's just life right that's just not that's not just in fashion that's in life like these jasmine sullivan tickets jesus the resale oh, yeah. prices, i ain't going i ain't doing it it just it, it just i mean resale culture is a thing but what i love about telfar and brandon blackwood is that i truly do believe that their impact will show to be high-end, to be luxury, to be trendy, to be in the now, doesn't have to be parallel to whiteness, nor does it have to result in people damn near killing each other for it. You know what I'm saying? Like if every, if black people want it, black people should have it. If black people can pay the price for it, black people should have it. And that is, I think their, how their impact goes even past that is that they truly are resale market disruptors. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's just like, we got y'all, as long as y'all got us, it's yep. like that type of relationship, yep. you know? No, because it is annoying when something resells, I mean, sells out, and then you have to contemplate spending $500 for something that was already, like, it's ridiculous. Um, and I think that that just builds, like, a closeness with the community. That's yep. why I do have multiple brain and Blackwood bags. Like, that's why I'm okay with spending the money. And I feel like as a consumer when I see people like a Hanifa or I see like black brands winning, I'm just like, yes. And, and I know that I don't have to fight over it. I can get it. I'm always loyal to them. So I just think that that breeds loyalty yes, for real. Hanifa is the same thing. Like, I mean, yeah, like things will sell out, mm -hmm. right? Like as it, but you don't, again, women don't have to sit on their computers waiting for 10 AM to, and then click in. It mm -hmm. is, that takes away the fun of shopping too. Yeah. Like, I log onto a Hanifa website. I'd like to, I'd like to see everything that is offered. Mm -hmm. I'd like to scroll up. I'd like to scroll down. I'd like to click in. I'd like to read about the fabrics. I'd like to shop, not play hunger games. <laughs> so. And that's exactly how I'd be feeling like the hunger games. It's annoying. Well, no, I think you hit on a lot of points and to kind of, I guess, you know, close a chapter on a very detailed and debrief of like his, uh, you know, impact. Um, where do you think 
I don't want to like kind of be rhetorical, um, but essentially we've talked about these black brands who are kind of shifting, uh, you know, the culture, the wave of fashion, disrupting it from like social media to, you know, figuring out ways to, you know, take their own grandstanding. Um, where do you think black fashion is headed from here? I, I don't think there's any way to go but up. I mean, like I said, to bring up Hanifa again, like we had black designers shutting down the National Portrait Gallery. Like- Talk about it. Like, like, I mean, I'm just like, it, it can't go anywhere but up. Like we look at all of these designers, we look at Christopher John Rogers. You know, we look at the Ophilio, we look at all of these black brands. Like we are, we're, we're not going anywhere but up. And there is a market for everything, you know, for everyone. What I love about black creators, just black people in general, is we're so much not a monolith that there is something for everybody. If you're a high fashion luxury girl, Christopher John Rogers got something for you. If you're a luxury girl, but you like it a lot more edgy, Theophilio has something for you. If you're just an everyday black girl who got everyday black girl style, I truly do believe that that is a style. I think black girls have a, I think as a unit, black girls have like a certain style that is like, yeah. Now, Hanifa got something for you. Mm -hmm. if, if you need shoes, you know, there are countless black shoes. That's a thing like, you know, coming up now, like anything that you need, there is a black creative for it. You need a tote, there's Telfar. You need a going out bag, there's Brandon Blackwood. You know, there's so many black designers out here that there's something for everybody. And the thing is, it's, it's people are realizing, you know, you look at Melissa McCarthy and Hanifa, you mm -hmm. know, like, like, I think it was and I love seeing that even though I do I do love obviously black women in it but I love it seeing on oh tra not transcending but crossing over and becoming yep. into the mainstream of fashion yep it's a thing like that that in itself is is super impactful so I just we're gonna keep winning and we're and I think the difference now is I think a while back decades ago black people just wanted to be at the table but i think now black people are realizing that we are the table the table doesn't exist mm -hmm. for us. and mm -hmm. so i think that what is beautiful is that these black brands are maintaining ownership i don't foresee telfar or brandon blackwood selling into big conglomerate anytime soon i don't foresee hanifa and i say that if they do if ever right i don't foresee that for christopher john rogers i don't foresee that for Theophilio. Like, I think these brands are realizing, like, I don't have to. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, that is everybody's ultimate goal. Who doesn't, when you start a business, your ultimate goal is you, you eventually want to be acquired for most, right? The, 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 the goal is acquisition. But I think these brands are realizing, like, no. And what's, what's fantastic now is that there are Black people in positions to be the acquisition. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so therefore these brands can maintain the integrity of their, of their, you know, we see it more in beauty. I'm finding, mm -hmm. um, there are black corporations that have the resources to acquire black beauty brands, which is fantastic. It's something we've never seen before, right? We only know the large ones, the Unilevers, the PNGs, the, you know, that is all we know. Um, and the same goes for fashion, right? We only know these big fashion houses, mm -hmm. Rihanna right and her ownership was never truly hers um and these black brands see that and they are owning um what they have so I I think ownership is is 
going to be what we see. I think that continuing, like Mackenzie said, continuing to see these brands transcend just black people um, will be what we see. We're, we're, I think the, you know, the, the sky is really the limit for this. Awesome. Well, I think um, most importantly for all of our listeners, where can they read all of your work? Where can they follow you on social media? I will let you have the platform so people can keep up to date on all of this stuff. Of course. So my Instagram is at Blake Lauren. My mama spelled it a little ghetto, y'all. It is L-A-W-R-E-N. Um, and if you want to see my work, you know, I don't write as much as I used to. Um, Hair flip. <laughs> I, that's what I was like. <laughs> so that is the benefits. I don't write as much as I used to. Um, but if you just Google my name, all my bylines from any place that I've ever written will pop up. Doctor, if you would like to, to see the work that, um, I helm and that I, I am at the top of the essence, both in the beauty and fashion verticals. Um, I work with absolutely tremendous writers um, who are putting out wonderful content, um, timely content, you know, like I, I, the goal with Essence is to, to do the work that matters, to tell the stories that matter. Um, and so if you go to essence.com, Essence is social media, you will see all of the work that, that, that myself and my team are doing to really push that needle for Black people. Awesome. Well, appreciate our heart. We thank you, Blake, uh, for this timely episode. That once again wraps up our 79th episode. Be sure once again to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WRGOPod. Be sure to check out our website at what's really going on pod.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, listen, and comment and share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, also, our Spotify rap is coming. Henry, we're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> that. <Appreciate y> <laughs> and check us out on iHeartRadio. Thank you.